Welcome to this second podcast of The Hierarchy Decides, where we, me and Robbie, give you some albums to listen to. You go away and listen to them, and then you tell us about it, kind of like a review podcast, no less. Um, Big thanks to everybody who's taken part. Thank you to everyone who's recorded. Thank you, everyone who sent emails in um, with me and Robbie reading them. So I'm not going to blather on like Noel Edmonds at the beginning of Deal or No Deal. Uh, We're going to get straight down into it. I'm just going to give you a running order, and then we'll smash through the reviews. We've got Pablo Kedrick. We have Paul Hutchings. We've got Brian D'Andrade. We've got Double Bubble with Paul Hutchings because I cocked the numbers up. We've got Neil Bolton, they up Thrashers. We've got myself on a walk in the twilight, almost dark. Um, we've got Andrew Matthews and also what his wife thinks of the album. We've got Jason Manley talking about his old mate Popeye. We've got Robbie Maguire and also a special guest from 11-year-old boy try and work out who that is and we've got mike todd who sounds like a cross between game of thrones and the beginning of sabbat um history of a time to come guess what i've been listening to this week and mark pensum rounds us up as read by robbie so get stuck in and i'll see you at the end hello there here's pablo i'm reviewing megadeth's dystopia their latest record that was released in 2016. The lineup was Dave Mustaine, Dave Ellefson, Kiko Lorero, and Chris Adler. I say it before I say uh, more. I didn't listen to any Megadeth record that was released between Cryptic Writings and Dystopia, so I don't know what Megadeth sounded in between. Um, the version of the album I listened to was the iTunes version, which has two bonus tracks. So in total, we have fif- uh, 13 songs at 55 minutes. What do I like about the album? Um, the, it has a sound and a feeling that stays through the album, which I love, um, uh, which is good, I think. The great songs for me are The Threat is Real, Dystopia, Poisonous Shadows, Conqueror or Die and Post-American World. On the last three, uh, Kiko has uh, writing credits and I think that will be the, um, I don't know, this um, classical guitar stuff, maybe. I don't know, I'm not sure, but I like it. Uh, maybe we'll hear more from him on the, in the future. What I do not like about the album is the general length and um, the song length also because some songs I feel are just stretched too long or um, as a whole also some don't shine as much as others and just slip into the background or you forget them. Yep, so that's not great maybe if those songs were a bit shorter and thus more, um, I don't know, more pronounced in the album as a whole maybe that would they would shine out more i would give the album a seven and a half of ten uh, i think it's a great step into a promising future um, with kiko and now dirk verberen on drums uh, maybe his inclusion on drums will give it a, a the future record a little more death metal styly touch i don't know We'll see. Cheers. So, album number two that I got was Exhumers The Raging Tides. 
Any album selected by John Wigg deserves to be taken seriously, and his choice of Exuma and their fourth album, The Raging Tides, was no exception. Exuma were formed in 1985 in Wiesbaden by vocalist and bassist Mem von Stein and guitarist Ray Mensch. They released two albums before disbanding in 1991, reunited in 2008 and released their third album, Fire and Damnation, in 2012. Now, I'd reviewed this album when it was released for Musipedia of Metal, and I enjoyed it back in 2016, so it was a pleasure to get reacquainted with the album that I gave 8 out of 10 back then. It's a ferocious slab of Teutonic thrash that slashes and rips from the opening bars of the title track. The pace is relentless, and although there are inevitable comparisons with Creator and Destruction, Exuma's style is often more akin to the likes of Overkill and Exodus in its ferocity. There's plenty of melody, however, but the driving riffage and more hooks than the Japanese whaling convention hammer home every time. They can vary the pace with the chugging drive of tracks like Catatonic, contrasting with the breakneck speed of tracks such as Brand of Evil, and sacred defence. There is absolutely nothing to dislike with the Raging Tides. The solos are frenetic in a way a good thrash solo should be, and at times the band appear to be just about retaining control of the song as it threatens to run away. At just over 40 minutes, this was time well spent, and if you aren't familiar with this band, I recommend getting involved. Their 2019 album, Hostile Defiance, is also well worth checking out, especially for the blistering cover of the Scorpions, He's a Woman, She's a Ban, and Entombed, Supposed to Rot. This is Carl from the Thrash Metal album of the Fortnite Club, reading Brian D'Andrade's review of Hatebreed's The Concrete Confessional. When I was given this assignment, I was concerned I was not going to be able to give it a fair review as I'm not a fan of this band. My first impression of them many years ago was that they ripped off the Possessed Band logo and were leaders of the new style of hardcore, which not only I didn't like, but which is also far from the style of all the old school hardcore bands I embraced in the early 80s. Seeing them live on two occasions only made me less interested. They were my only real experiences with this band. Prior to the full two full listens I gave this album for this review, normally a band I don't like on vinyl can often win me over with a live performance. In this case, it was quite near the opposite. I can't say they necessarily won me over, but I was pleasantly surprised that I did not find the entire record as awful as I had anticipated and was able to fully listen to it twice. One of the things I liked best about this record was the fact that all the songs were short, with no boring, long, drawn-out tracks. There were no weak, slow songs. It's straight up in your face. It's a quick run and moves along really along well. I feel as though this band has evolved and when I saw them many years ago. The singer, unfortunately, doesn't does shout far too much for my liking, but has the potential of being a really good vocalist and does actually prove this several times throughout the record. The opening track, AD, which apparently stands for American Disease, is solid and thrashy. The second track, Looking Down the Barrel of Today, is groove metal orientated and reminds me of Slayer's new metal material from, say, Christ Illusion. Track 3, Seven Enemies, is straight-up groove metal and one of the worst tracks. Track 4, In the Walls, has a good opening riff and is a solid track. The next one, 
from Grace We've Fallen is also one of the best tracks on the album. Track 6, Us Against Us, is another good track musically, but again, the vocals are lacking. Track 7, Something's Off, has a very Pantera groove influence to it. The song also reminds me of Slayer's Stain of Mind. New metal groove, and this by far the worst track again. The singer shows in the last minute of the song that he can actually sing if he so chooses. Track 8, Remember When, is more groove metal where he again switches back and forth from actual singing to shouting. Track 9, Slaughtered In Their Dreams, is a decent track and features some really good, a bit short lead guitar work, something that is sorely lacking on this entire album. Track 10, The Apex Within, is nothing special but is another decent track. Track 11, Walking the Knife, mixes groove metal with some elephants of thrash. Track 12, Dissonance is one of the best tracks and is mostly solid thrash riffing. The final track, Serve Your Masters, sounds again like it has Slayer influences, but as previously, not the good Slayer and is also one of the worst tracks here. The album is overall incredibly repetitive, has very little depth and follows a chugging groove metal pattern. I did, however, hear some agnostic front influences in a couple of songs, a la Liberty and Justice, and that feel, but that feel is limited. To sum it up, there is very little thrash here. It is what I refer to as shout metal. The singer has a ton of potential, but obviously prefers his current limited range to his full potential singing. Therefore, the vocal style is the worst aspect of the band for me, even more so than the groove-orientated style riffing. The other major downfall to the album is that it is desperately lacking lead guitar work. Having said all this, I can still actually understand why this is probably a very popular album for fans of this band. It's just not my cup of tea. I'm pretty sure that I've been stuffed here. Two albums to review instead of one. Luckily, both of the albums that I've had this week have been pretty good quality. I'm also pretty sure that Greenleaf's Rise Above the Meadows is the second album that I've had for homework that's been chosen by Vincent Rocha in the DeAndreas years. And that only goes to show that even on a thrash metal club, the reach of rock music in all its various shapes and guises is long. Rise Above the Meadows is the sixth album from the band, and it took about 20 seconds of the first song to confirm that they are indeed Swedish, for stoner rock is a genre that the Swedes do as well as they do melodic death metal. Greenleaf formed at the turn of the century, but by the time they arrived at album number six, only guitarist Tommy Holapa, who is also a key member of the band Dozer, has remained from the original lineup. This album is the second and final album to feature vocalist Arvid Jonsson, who has exactly the right voice for this type of expressive and expansive hard rock. There's ample driving, down-tuned and fuzzed-up riffing on this album, right from the opening rolling and crashing of a million fireflies and the frenzy on howl where the drumming of Sebastian Olsen is off the chart. The opening trio of songs are heavy as hell, full of rolling drums, with Jonsson's drawling style sprawling across them. The centrepiece of the album is the seven-minute levitating bow parts one and two, a haunting, echoing track that slows the pace with its enigmatic, atmospheric feel before erupting into a fierce stomp in the second half. The musicianship throughout is top draw, with the band linked in as a tight and yet fluid and organic unit. And I keep coming back to just how heavy this band is. The riffs are relentless, 
battering away while sneakily disguised in the retro sound that Greenleaf do so well. And if everything that goes before wasn't enough, they leave the best to last with the album closer Pilgrim, a standout track on an album that has groove, hooks galore and a touch of class which justifies why this album is one of those selected for the best of 2016. Hey up Thrashers, homework time. Right, my first one was late. Now don't worry, I have been punished by Mr Black. But, making me sit in a dark room, listening to Five Finger Butt Plug, I think that was a little bit harsh, personally. But, you've got to do these things when you get things wrong. Okay, I actually got Black Sabbath, Live Evil. Very happy with that, to be honest. I love this album. I bought it as a schoolboy off an older boy at school. And to be honest with you, I had no idea of Ozzy Osbourne uh, or Black Sabbath having a new singer. I didn't know any of that. I was just bought a heavy metal album of someone who wanted to sell me a heavy metal album. I had no idea of Ronnie James Dio replacing uh, Ozzy Osbourne, but I still love that album. Didn't take me long to find out what was going on, but yeah, still, yeah, still very, very good. Uh, I love listening back to it, um, love listening to tracks from both the Aussie eras and the Dior era, War Pigs, Iron Man, uh, Neon Knights, it's got amazing drumming, godlike guitar work and legendary vocals. It was recorded in Seattle, San Antonio and Dallas and after watching a documentary I learned that the studio engineer would tell Dior that he were making the Tony Iommi parts louder than the Dior parts. So then Dior decided to ask if he could make his his and Vinnie Apice's parts louder just to counteract this action. I don't know if this is true, but because it sounds alright to me, but yeah, I don't know if, if that actually did happen. Okay, um, I love this album. I was very, very happy. I live, listen, listen to it now quite often. So yeah, very, very happy. Thanks very much. Now, my current homework was Warcrab, a band I had no idea of. I have seen the logo and the name banded around, but I have never actually listened to their music. Tell you what, though, I have now, and this is right up my back alley. Powerful Death Doom vocals and riffs as big as Godzilla's Wiscots. Scars of Eons was released in 2017. I thought we had 2016 as a year, but never mind, I have just found a brilliant band. A British death doom metal band with a killer vocalist. So the vocalist is a similar style to Ten Ton Slug, if you know them. The tunes are massive, and I genuinely call myself a fan now. This kind of music is a fantastic in my eyes. There are five tracks on here. All tracks are really good. All tracks are really doom. All tracks are really death. And I proper, proper love this. So much so, I am just about to press play on their latest album now. Thanks, guys. Enjoyed the homework. Both of them this time. Can't go wrong. Bye-bye. Hello, and you join me on my evening walk. Uh, I like to do this three times a week to try and keep myself fit. I'm in a lovely isolated park near where I live. Uh, just to give you a little um, context, the, uh, the moon is out and the stars are just about to come out in the sky. So it's that lovely evening, clear as a bell. And I thought, why not kill two birds with one stone? And I'll do my homework, which was The Forlorn Divide by uh, Accuser. So I listened to this album first about two or three days ago and thought, oh, here we go. It's just going to be generic cookie cutter. It's going to be a bit speed fatigue. 
but actually giving it this next listen it's a lot lot more than that um it's that missing link between sort of the new breed of thrash metal like the siloesis or silosis rather thank you pete d and uh the architects and things like that and the old school thrash like exodus and metallica and it will come to no surprise as this car almost tries to blind me with its lights that um there's plenty of influence on show from both certainly metallica with the older school style um they have uh, there's a couple of things he sounds like james heckfield certainly on the last song and in one which i think is called trepidation the asian spread uh, suffix at the end comes into full effect where that bit on blackened that John Wig once foxed me with on a on a quiz, saying things you know over and over again just with the suffix Asian on the end to make them rhyme. So, and sounding like James Hetfield in the process. So you've got that to look forward to, but you're never that far from a stop-start riff either. The kind of stuff that Meshuggah kind of do, Silosis kind of are, are, are accused of, and certainly Architects, like I've said. So they are find themselves smack bang in the middle. So make your judgment on what sort of um, score you want to give that. I mean, I find it is a good seven, seven and a half at a push. I'm interested to give some other stuff a listen. Um, really good stuff. I would see them on a bill equally with, again, Silosis or any of the new breed of thrash metal that's coming through. By the same token, they wouldn't be out of place on an Exodus bill or a Havoc bill or something like that. Um, I think their dream one would obviously be Metallica, though. Whose wouldn't? So thoroughly evening, thoroughly good evening out um, with Accuser. Go and check that out. I'm now going to um, give Sabbath and Violence another go. I'm still a little bit undecided, however. I think I am a little bit more sure which way I'm going to go now. Thank you very much. Hi Hierarchy, Andrew Matthews here. For my homework, I was asked to review Necrot's The Labyrinth. This was fast, aggressive death metal in the style of an early bolt thrower, with nice chunky riffs, standard growl vocals, and some really good blast beats. Wasn't a lot of differentiation between the songs. This is probably because it's a compilation of three old demos and the production is almost non-existent. I quite liked it. My wife thought it was absolute shit, so it was all right though. So my homework. A bath, buy a bath. Gotta be honest, a bath, not something I'd listened to before. Um, I only knew of a bath because of the breakdown he had on stage in Buenos Aires a couple of years back, it rang a bell. Um, black metal, not normally my oeuvre, which is French rape apparently, but gave it a listen because that's what the homework does. First glance, well, is it really black metal? Because I can actually read, read his logo. And um, that's not right, is it? Black metal, you shouldn't be able to read their logos. And second glance, the cover on the photo looks like Robbie Williams trying to be all four members of KISS at the same time. Which was a bit confusing. But never mind. Right, the album itself. It's black. It's actually pretty, for black metal. It, it's on the more tuneful end of things. I will give it that. Um, yeah. But the vocals, unfortunately, once I realised about halfway through the first song that he sounded like Popeye, all I could think of was Popeye singing black metal which kind of made the album a tricky listen but I persevered I went through it um, don't think I'll be following a Bath's career 
but yeah gotta say musically really good you know really clear lovely production so you could make everything out it wasn't a, a noisy muddled mess or anything like that perhaps that's just my prejudice against black metal showing through but yeah um but yeah like i say because he sounded so much like popeye not something i'll be returning to but you know good to listen to something new for a change and you can catch me, cheap plug now, you can catch me every Tuesday night, 9pm to midnight on Hospital Radio Glamorgan, www.radioglamorgan.com. Rock block between half ten and eleven. Give me a shout. Cheers. Bye. Car Black, 12. Sorry. Only kidding. Robbie here with my homework. Now, when I was at school, I was never that great at homework. Mainly because most of the subjects bored me, basically. Uh, but if I'd been asked to study Metal Church's 11th studio album, 11 then I would have no doubt stunned my teachers by putting in an A-plus worthy piece of homework. So what about the album then? Well, coming out of the traps with a searing one-two with a thrash-filled heft of reset and the chugging and anthemic killing your time, the scorching energy is instantly set. You're pulled straight into the joyous and punchy weighty rhythms. Metal Church adeptly show that they can mix things up effortlessly and shift from the thrashiness without ever sounding cliched. The traditional classic metal of Signal Path is a case in point, as is the punk fuel drive of Suffer Falls. There's a crisp and clean production here which allows the songs to literally jump out and impact further on you. The drums throughout sound huge at times and as perfect as you'd want on a metal album. Well, for me anyway. You know that mid-80s or the early 80s sound where production values were a big part of heightening the atmosphere and quality of the album? Think Holy Diver, Number of the Beasts? To me, the drumming of Jeff Plate and his performance takes the Star of the Show award. It's just stunning. That's pretty high praise indeed, really, because the whole band playing is simply wonderful, as is the vocal display from Mike Howe. Now, he returns to vocal duties here for the first time in 20 years, and he is nothing short of sensational. There's a lot of sensationals going on, I think. Uh, dripping in attitude, he spits and snarls with a restrained quality, yet when he needs to hit those notes, boy, he smashes them. Such a great vocalist. Just clocking in at one hour, whilst the 11 songs don't outstay their welcome, there's a, probably a midway point where the energy drops slightly and the upbeat momentum dips somewhat. However, the variety and the depth of the songs ensures you're still focusing on the well-crafted, easily digested songs. Now, it doesn't take long for them to unleash their blistering thrash attack with the savage and ferocious Needle and Sutra. With the dark, slow-burn, mid-paced stomp of Fan the Fire, Metal Church bring Eleven to a close. Now, they don't rewrite the rulebook here, but then they don't need to. They're as significant as any band at Pioneer in this type of sound, and Metal Church occupy a respected place in that no-man's land between metal and thrash. And on the strength of Eleven, that place at the head table is securely theirs. A cracking album, which I will, and have recently revisited frequently. Now I'm off to discover more of this band, who I've shamefully overlooked. It is the time of Conan. It is a time of revengeance. Conan mixed Robert E. Howard's Hyborian Age mythology, the world of his titular hero Conan, with a doom tone that could rattle the walls of a castle. With guitar tones so deep and heavy that they may as well have been played on two bases, Revengeance thuds along like an army going into war. Revengeance has a few songs that really stand out. Throne of Fire and Thunderhoof are the musical equivalent of being crushed alive by a marauding pack of Sumerians. And that's brutal and heavy. 
But the problem that I have with this album is that nothing stands out. This is my first time listening to Conan and Revengeance. As much as it is good, there are bands like Mastodon and new bands like Horndal doing it better. It goes from Doom to Drone a little too easily, and so my interest wanes, and the same riff gallops on and on and on and on and on and on and on. I feel their focus is being so heavy that it becomes a drag. A good album for background music when you're wanting ambient black metal, but I could take it or leave it. The Violent Sleep of Reason by Meshuggah. Homework by Mark Pensum. Obviously I'm not Mark, I'm just reading Mark's homework on his behalf. Meshuggah are one of those bands I've always appreciated rather than liked. As a mediocre guitarist myself, their musicianship and technical proficiency impresses, but they've never really grabbed me and then keep me coming back to them. A full disclosure here, this is the first time I've bothered with a full run listen of an album from them since Obsen. First off, it sounds great. Nice production from Two Madsen, and I've had two goes at this with decent headphones and they're cranked up. The guitars are still really tight when they need to be, but there's a certainly a notable return to an organic sound, apparently as a result of real amps instead of things digital, and a return to the in-the-room recording as a band. Now the first track, it's called Clockwork, is everything Meshuggah, the everything the Meshuggah that I remembered, the genty stabs, the mad polyrhythms led by the machine that is Hacker. It's beyond tight and heavy, it's a good start. A born in dissonance is more like, more my jam. It's mid-paced, interesting riffs, weirdly vocal phrasing fits well, it's a cool song. And Monstrosity starts well with a cool awkward riff, droney stuff in the background, then it sort of goes into a semi-coma. To use a Lars trademark passive aggressive phrase, it all sounds stock to me until 3 minutes 45 when a really cool riff brings me round and then it wanders off again. Meh. By the ton, it's sludgy, it's heavy and I'm nodding along again. Violent sleep of reason, cool slide riff, loose but tight, clever, but then sadly into a spell of generic chug that drags along. Lars is back in my ear, loudly suggesting it's stock, but then a cool opathy vibe section kicks in from around 3 minutes and rescues this. It's a bit of a journey, this album. Ivory Tower. This is a proper groove-driven song, apparently recorded without a click to support the feel. Riffs are busy enough to hold the interest and still really digging this after a few listens. Uh, Stifled. It feels like the band are on a roll now. The layering really adds to and supports this track. I could do with It could do with a trim, though. Now, Nostrum. So, my wife is out and I'm playing this through, though... <laughs> Though my floor sand through my floor stand is in a small room and the house is moving as I type. This is so heavy even Dino's bathroom scales would be worried. It's fighting it out with Ivory Tower's track of the album for me. Our rage won't die. The opening riff is on fire. It's crushing, and younger Mark would happily be stomping around in the pit to this and emerging looking like Ricky Hatton's sparring partner. Four track run here, bit of a streak. Into Declay. Sadly, the streak is somewhat broken. Yes, it's heavy and the groove is there, but frankly, this works against Jens. It needs something different from him vocally to spark this. So thanks to Carl for prompting me the revisit to this. 
There's some really decent stuff on this album, even if you aren't a Meshuggah fan, and I'll certainly be adding some of these tracks into a playlist to see how they hold up. Well, that time whizzed by. Thanks again to everybody who's uh, taken part in this. Uh, we've got some really good recommendations, some really good reviews. Loving this podcast already. Hoping you guys are getting the same out of it. And if you're listening to this, if you stumbled across this, however you're listening to it, and you think, oh, I'd like to give that a go, all you need to do is A, become a member of the Thrash Metal Album of the Fortnite Club on Facebook. Um, no problem at all with that. Just let us know and we will... Um, submit your submit you into the club and then you just need to either listen to the podcast or wait until the what you what have you been listening to post comes uh usually on a monday we didn't do it this monday because we're saving ourselves for a double podcast with neil brannigan fuller to celebrate uh, moshing the roof on but the following Monday, there will be, as is usual, a what have you been listening to? And when you tell us, just give us a number between the numbers that I give you in the post. So I will say the D'Andrade years, are the numbers are between 1 and, let's say, 50. You just give us a number, and I'll give you an album to review. Keep the reviews to two minutes, two or three minutes. I don't really mind. It's uh, Let's just have some fun with it. You can, and it's entirely up to you how you want to do the review. Short, long, funny, dead serious. I love the variety. So thanks to everyone again. Thanks to all of you guys that are listening. And when um, we'll see you again, and when the Moshing the Roof on podcast gets released, so it will be myself, Robbie, and Neil Brannigan Fuller. And then after that, it'll just be me and old Robbie. But in the meantime, Hope this podcast ties you over. I'll see you all soon. Thank you very much.